What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. We have a special bonus episode today with it being Holy Week, Jesus coming back from the dead. That's something that I celebrate as a Christian every year, and it's Easter week right now. It's my favorite holiday, and I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to do something about that on the podcast and incorporate it with sports. So today we are going to go through and talk about the greatest comebacks of the 21st century. And, you know, we didn't put too much work into these lists. We just kind of uh, chopped it together over the last few days. Uh, just was sort of something fun that we could do on a day that we didn't have March Madness to cover. Uh, I was live earlier today with Andrew Stem on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can catch that in this podcast feed. And we recapped the Elite Eight. We'll be back again on Tuesday to recap the national championship game. I got a lot of MLB preview stuff out now. Uh, go to my website, jackvita.com. Check out my win total projections for every major league team. You can listen to our MLB preview series that, that we've had going on this podcast. Uh, lots of fun with all of that stuff. But I was able to round up some of what the listeners thought. And uh, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to talk comebacks. So uh, before I do that, once again, I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in. Hope you guys are having a good Holy Week. And uh, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on the awesome content that we have coming up and uh, that we've been doing lately. So why don't I bring in our guest for the day? And uh, this is a guy that I've wanted to collaborate with for a little while. Uh, just hadn't hadn't linked up quite to this point, but Seth Four, Seth is a guy that works in ministry. I'll give him a chance to tell you guys what he does. But Seth, uh, welcome to the show. He's a good friend of mine, and it's an interesting story how you and I know each other. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, we met in in Turks and Caicos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a random place to meet someone. <laughs> Yeah, so Seth, fun fun fact about Seth is my cousin and his cousin, they got married to each other. And uh, yeah, we were at the destination wedding. And, you know, some people have their thoughts about destination weddings. I had the time of my life on a destination wedding. That was one of the best trips I've ever been on. Uh, so my cousin Aaron and his cousin Alex, they, they got married and uh, it was a really great time. Yeah, it was it was a blast. Um, literally one of the the most amazing places I've ever been. <laughs> Dude, I was telling one of my teammates actually. Did you do you remember the sand at the beach? Yeah, <laughs> it was like powder. It and it like didn't get hot. It was like yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, my cousin Evan. Someone had like dumped out some hot coals late at night, and he had stepped on them, and he had like burned his foot. So oh, that, man. That, I don't know why I thought of that. You're just talking about the sand <laughs> not being hot, but unfortunately it was for Evan one night. <laughs> he still burnt his feet. Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, no, it's real. What's uh, funny was we were on this destination wedding and there was a total of like 17 or 18 of us. It was just family. It was a very small group. So Seth and I got to hang out quite a bit. Yeah, we did. It was, man, what a good trip. Uh, it was amazing. 
it was a great time. So, Seth, why don't you tell the listeners what it is that you do these days uh, and uh, why you are fit for this topic today? Oh, man. Well, I, I don't know about that. I guess I'm fit for it because um, Jesus changed my life. Uh, but um, I currently work for a ministry called The Traveling Team. Uh, and what we do is we uh, travel around the U.S. speaking at college campuses uh, about God for the nations. So we go into a campus ministry, and uh, we literally go from Genesis to Revelation just talking about how God um, loves people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and how we have a part to play in, in getting those people uh, to the throne room and sharing the gospel with, with, with all these people uh, around the world. Um, so we specifically focus on I, I don't know if this, uh, we, we focus on unreached places, uh, places that, that Christians don't currently live, and we encourage Christians to, to take the gospel message to those places. That is so cool, and I know you've uh, been on the road quite a bit. You've seen a lot of college campuses all across the country. You've gotten to travel a lot, uh, you've, and, but you're also, on top of all those things, you're also a huge sports fan. Yes, yeah, yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> Dude, I grew up reading the the newspaper every day. I'll go straight to the sports section, and uh, yeah, I uh, big Cardinal fan, uh, big Bears fan. Um, I I've recently gotten into soccer a lot. It's maybe my favorite sport. Uh, that's what I was thinking about throwing a soccer uh, comeback on here. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll see if I, I go with it as my my tenth <laughs> one. I'm I'm up for soccer. I just don't. Unfortunately, even though we have the Paramount Plus deal with this podcast, the only place you can watch the Champions League, sign up. And if you want to watch the Champions League, go to jackvita.com slash Paramount. Uh, I don't watch, I haven't watched a whole lot of soccer. So maybe I'll learn a thing or two if you go down that road. But Seth, uh, before we get into all of that, uh, I did get some submissions from the listeners. I put this out yep. on Twitter this afternoon and I was able to round up a good amount of submissions. So I'll go through those one by one and uh, maybe we'll see a repeat of some of these on your list. Yeah, let's go. All right. And I should also mention, we will be talking about why Jesus's comeback is greater than all of these at the, at the end of this podcast. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> that's important okay that was an important addition important addition yes so all right the first submission so this was uh from bear coatman and bear suggested the 2015 alamo bowl now you might not remember <laughs> do you, will you remember that game seth no i don't that's just uh, the, i i remember zero alamo bowls in my day so this guy <laughs> man he he knows what he's talking about i guess Oh, yes. Well, I remember this game because TCU was trailing the Oregon Ducks 31-0 at half. Oh, man. And they came back and won that game 47-41. The best part of that story was their quarterback, Trevon Boykin. He actually went and I think he got arrested a couple days before the game. He got in a bar fight. They were without their star quarterback for the game. One of the most irresponsible things you could do before, like... (laughs) Your biggest one of the biggest games of your life is getting a bar fight. Uh, not not <laughs> recommended. Their senior walk on quarterback led them to victory in that game. That's amazing. That that's a great comeback. <laughs> Next up, we got uh, Derek Young, and uh, Derek Young suggested the. I know he's a big Philly guy. Derek Young, one of our listeners, he runs the uh, Survivor Liberty 
Uh, they play Survivor on the campus of Liberty University. You should check that out, Seth. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Derek, he suggested the Philadelphia Flyers. They were down 3 nothing to the Boston Bruins in the 2010 conference semifinals. They came back and won four games in a row, a la 2004 Boston Red Sox. Pretty awesome comeback. Now, I'm glad that Derek brought this up because it gives me a chance to uh, remind him that the Blackhawks got to beat the Flyers in the Stanley Cup that year. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I do remember that one, actually. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, they, that was a good Flyers team. Mike Richards and Claude Giroux and Chris Pronger, they, those guys were still hanging around. And Daniel Carcillo was mixing it up. It's a fun team. Man, I feel like three zero in any sport is obviously like amazing. Like to come back from <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, how do you know how many times it's happened in hockey? I'm not a I'm not a huge hockey guy. So that that's a great question. I think it's happened a couple times. That may have been the first, uh, okay. and I think there was one a little more recently that had happened, like maybe two or three okay. years ago. But yeah, we keep moving along. Anthony Franz, who is our official meteorologist and game show host of the Jack Vita show, uh, huge Rangers fan, he tweeted at me, if you put game six in there, I will forever boycott this podcast. (laughs) Oh, man, you might be in trouble. You might be losing a viewer. (laughs) We can't lose Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) he'll come back he'll he'll warm up to us eventually he'll he'll be salty for a few weeks (laughs) i mean tim kirchin says it's the greatest game in world series history so i uh, you can't argue with tim kirchin yeah i mean it was either i mean really the the short list of those games i would say was there was that game uh at least from the past decade there was that game there's Game seven of the 2016 World Series. And then yeah. there was a game, I think it was game five of this past World Series. It was pretty remarkable, too. Game, game five this past World Series. Yeah, it was the Brett Phillips game. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It, was, it was great. All right. Drew Cox, he submitted three. I'm guessing Drew is a UCLA fan. Uh, he gave us the 2017. I doubt you remember either of these, Seth. 2017 UCLA versus Texas A&M. UCLA was down 34. They came back and won that game 45-44. And this is college football, sorry. I should have specified yeah, no. this for Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45-44. They were down 34. Uh, Josh Rosen, big game for him. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, they had another comeback in 2019 against Washington State where they were down 32 in the third quarter, and they came back and won that game 67-63. I don't know how that 67-63 is a college football score. That's <laughs> <laughs> I guess it makes sense out there in the, the Pac-12. Or, yeah. uh, that's maybe more of a big uh, Big 12 score, I guess. I don't yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, one that we'll probably be seeing a lot this week, 2006 Sweet 16. UCLA Gonzaga and Gonzaga was down or sorry UCLA was down 17 in the first half they were down nine with three minutes left Adam Morrison and his boys were not able to close the deal on that game and that is the um, we're, we're gonna see this a lot with the UCLA Gonzaga matchup this Saturday but Adam Morrison crying as he came off the court after his last game is an image that everyone remembers man 
because of that mustache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you forget that you can't forget that image. His mustache is steered into your brain forever. <laughs> yeah, at least his mustache <laughs> is undefeated. <laughs> Man, it's quality. It's quality. <laughs> All right, and then we had two of the same suggestions from David Balanson and Alex Stahl. Um, they both wanted 2005 Illinois and Arizona on the list. Uh, I won't get too into that because I'm sure we'll. That I, I think that's on your list as well. Well, yeah. Um, we'll get to that later for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Save that one. Okay. 2008 Memphis and Kansas. Did you have that one on your list? I, it did cross my mind, man. I so with a lot of these comebacks, uh, what I realized was is that I I had so much like prejudice in my heart towards certain teams, and Kansas is one of those teams. <laughs> um, another team that I I also despise did make my list, but I I didn't go with Kansas. That was a great game, though. Oh yeah, great game. Kansas was down nine. Uh, Derek Rose can't hit free throws and, uh, Mario Chalmers hits that big three. And then Justin Timberlake was ticked off at the SB awards that year, <laughs> man, Derek Rose, his career has just been a tragedy. Just so sad. Yeah. Derek Rose as a, a comeback himself from injury. I feel like that's scoring 50 with the T wolves. Yeah. It's being relevant again. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that, that one works. Uh, Marquette and Villanova, 2017 men's basketball. So Marquette was down 17 against the number one ranked team in the nation. They came back and won that game 74-72. So right. that was a pretty good one for that matter as well. How much do you, when you come up with, with greatest comebacks of all time, how much do you put like, like if it was a regular season game or a postseason game, like how much does that matter to you? I feel like it's got to be if if I was working on this list, which I didn't because you were making the list. <laughs> I feel like I would probably be thinking more of like playoff series yeah. and uh, postseason games and individual comebacks like Tiger Woods would be one for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I will say there have to be some just super outstanding sure. regular season games that would make this list. But again, I wasn't digging too deep into this and wasn't thinking I, this is the fourth podcast I've done this week, Seth. So I appreciate <laughs> your uh, support with me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> and then finally dads in timeout podcast tweeted 2004 Red Sox. For sure. Yep. So thank you to the listeners for submitting your lists. Uh, and for all of these, and uh, at this time, I'd like to turn it over to you, Seth. I'm going to let you be in the driver's seat and guide me through your list. All right, man. So um, I do have 10 comebacks that I came up with, my top 10. Um, uh, they're in, like, personal uh, nostalgic order for me. So, like, what means the okay. most to me? And so many of these actually do mean a lot. Um, so I'm just going to start at the back end, um, so yeah. with, with, with number 10, I, ha I have the Cubs coming back and beating the Indians in game seven. Like, I feel like you can't leave that off the list, even though <laughs> I absolutely despise the Cubs. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I, at that, at, when that happened, I was at the age where I could finally appreciate that. If, if it had happened any earlier in my life, I probably just would have been a jerk about it and, uh, <laughs> hated everyone and everything, but 
Um, no, that, that game was amazing. Uh, the, the Hayward contract, man, it was worth it because uh, he gave that speech uh, during the yeah. delay. So uh, you paid him, what, $200 million to, for a speech, <laughs> but it won you the World Series, so. <laughs> yeah, that and I was very concerned as I was watching that game. It was my senior year of college at Valparaiso University, and I was watching in my apartment with my buddy Scott Stahl, and I thought for a solid moment there that we would actually be talking about the Cleveland Indians on this greatest comeback list with that uh, how they came back in that game seven. Who hit that home run? For, was it uh, Rajay Davis? Rajay Davis. Yeah, man, I was so happy when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to admit, I ran to my college campus, and everyone was just going crazy on the quad, and that was an experience for sure. Oh yeah, what a what a night! I was telling this story recently. We had I was in a class that year, and we had like group presentations the next morning at eight a.m. And so it was like, you know, small school, maybe like 20 people in the class. And my group had already presented ours, but we're supposed to go and watch all the other groups present. Well, there were like five or six people in it. No, five people in a group. So only four people showed up to class that next morning at 8 (laughs) a.m. Including one of the people that was giving the presentation did not show up. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. <laughs> but what can you say? All right, number nine. What have we got? Number nine. I I have another guy that I respect a lot, but I'd never want him to win. It's LeBron James coming back against the Warriors. Man, it it was it was amazing, and I I feel like uh, until that happened, I, I would never even give someone the time of day in arguing that LeBron is the goat. And I feel like now there, there's finally a. a because of that series, there's an argument to be made. And I know they were miss- were they missing Draymond? Um, who, who, yeah, missing- Draymond got suspended. They didn't have KD yet. Yeah. Uh, but Draymond got suspended for the the kick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it was amazing. Um, he just like single-handedly won that series. Kyrie helped a little bit. Uh, Kyrie that, helped that- a lot yeah. of it. He hit a shot to win a championship. <laughs> He did, yeah. That the game winning shot. The the one clutch thing that they needed was Kyrie. But LeBron, his statistics in that series are unreal. Yeah, but Kyrie was pretty great in that series too. He was. Absolutely. Um, so the next one I, I actually have I have the Red Sox down three oh. Uh and with this one man, I, I had to think back to a time when the Red Sox were like the Cubs. Like they they never won. And I remember them playing the Yankees and just cheering for this to happen. Uh, you got the bloody sock. Yeah. There's just so many amazing things happen in that series. Um, and then oh, yeah. I will have to note that they went on to play the Cardinals in the world series. And that was one of the best Cardinal teams of my lifetime. And we got swept. They were just on fire. That was a really great Cardinals team. I th- they won at least 100 games. They ran yeah. away with the division. The Cubs, that was the year the Cubs had the wild card spot in September, and they choked it away with like a week left. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was an awful year for the, <laughs> the Cubs that year. And they were supposed to be better that year than they were the year before. Cardinals had a great team with uh, Scott Rowland and Jim Edmonds and yep. Albert Pujols. Pujols. All those guys in their prime. It was a great team. 
And uh, who was playing shortstop for them before David Eckstein? I can't remember. Edgar Renteria. Edgar Renteria, yeah. Edgar Renteria, great. He was a real good shortstop. That was, was a that was a really good Cardinals team. But man, that that Red Sox series, that was the stuff of legends. I mean, that was. I mean, it just takes me back to such a fun era. And I've never been to Boston, but it it gives me a very much a Wrigleyville type vibe of like how much they love their team, how passionate those fans are. They're crazy. And then, uh, of course, you had Fever Pitch coming out not long after, and uh, Manny Ramirez on the cover of MVP Baseball, Tessie by the Dropkick Murphys. Uh, <laughs> good times. Dude, you have got to get to Fenway. It is, it's amazing. It's incredible. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I I need to go. I mean, we need. Uh, yeah, I that's definitely on my list. I'll make it happen eventually. I personally, I love Wrigley, but Fenway just it honestly it blew it out of the water. It's not falling apart, so they got that going for them. But um, it's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, um, there's a little recency bias here, but I have Alex Smith coming back from his injury. Like, the dude, not only did he almost lose his leg, uh, but he literally could have died uh, from his infection. So, I feel yeah. like you are, you are, I don't know, hours or days from death, and then you come back and play in the NFL. That's just, it's incredible. And he, he won at least a game this past year. I don't know how many it, games he won, but, yeah, he was good still. And it, it looks like he's going to play again next year, too. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. I love that. If you haven't watched the E60 on it, it's, it's really, really good. Yeah, I'll have really to check good. that out. The next one I have, man, I have Tigers Masters win. And this one, you texted me that, that you uh, you like this one, and I already had it on my list. Um, but, man, when everything went down with Tiger, I felt, as many of us probably did, just like almost personally betrayed, like this man that all of culture loves is doing all this stuff. Um, and I found myself rooting against him. And then this match happened, and finally I was I was cheering for him again, and it, it was incredible. It, it was awesome to watch. Yeah, that sets us up well for uh, next week. We'll definitely have some Masters coverage here on the podcast. Unfortunately, oh. we won't be seeing Tiger in the Masters, but, man, that was so awesome. What an awesome redemption story for Tiger Woods. And what I loved, one of the things I loved about it was we live in a culture these days where – People love to just pile onto someone when they're down. And we don't see a lot of, we see a lot of, okay, this person made this mistake and we're all going to kick them while they're down and they should be shunned from society and that's it for them. And what I love with Tiger was here's a guy who experienced all of that. He went through all of that. He was at his lowest low. And he had a number of low lows over the last, I mean, over the course of about a decade. It was a decade. Yeah. And then he wins the Masters, and I could not believe it. I mean, I I may have teared up, but as I watched that, that was just so incredible. It was amazing to watch. And, man, I just love when he's playing, like, I forgot how awesome it was to just hear, hear people say, like, oh, how's Tiger doing? What's Tiger doing? Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, for that decade, we, we didn't get that. And he just brings this excitement to golf. That's, um, unmatched. And I'm, I'm glad he won. I, I was cheering for him at the end there. Yeah. 100% true. It's like you get a notification on your phone or you take a look at the leaderboard and you say, Oh my gosh, 
Tiger's only a few shots back. He's maybe five yep. strokes back of the lead. This is getting interesting here. And then those are the type of yeah. people. I mean, what I was really interested in is if he had done that, this past Masters in November that was competing against the NFL, what would happen? People shifting their eyes away from NFL games to watch Tiger in a competitive spot at the Masters. I think it would have happened. Yeah, that would have been interesting. What Do you remember what week that was? That would have been like week 13 or 14. Yeah, maybe week 12. Man, yeah, I, it's it was awesome. It was amazing. It, it was great. All right, number five. We're in the top five now. So here I have Pat Falcons down 28-3. Man, I left my Super Bowl party. We had like a 30-minute <laughs> drive. I left my Super Bowl party when it was 28-3. I show up back home, and it's like tied. <laughs> and I'm so angry. This is another one of those where I, I just, I grew up actually, I said I was a Bears fan. I grew up a Rams fan. And oh. the Patriots are just like, I, I despise them because they cheated in, in 01. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> just a fact. They lost draft picks for, for Spygate. Um, so I just never liked Tom Brady, but you cannot argue with that game. Like that comeback is just, yeah, it's unparalleled. In, in the Super Bowl, Oh man! Yeah, twenty-eight-three at half, and I had similar to you. I left. I went from one Super Bowl party to another. I was actually up in Kenosha visiting my buddies at Carthage, and I had two different friend groups that were having Super Bowl parties. So I was like, "All right, easy watch. First half at one place, second half at the other." And boy, am I glad I went over to the other place for the second half. I felt like all I needed to do was just move over somewhere, do change change my spot on the couch, go over and uh, get some food or, you know, whatever you got to do. And now all of a sudden you got it yourself a game. Uh, the This, you know, superstitions that us sports yeah. fans have. <laughs> Man, I, I love it. It's, it. I love how you can, this sports, sporting event that millions of people are watching, it, it's because of you the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, we're so that just shows how self-centered we all are. <laughs> it's like everybody yeah. is the hero in their own movie. It's like if I s- stop watching this playoff game because that's what some people do. They shut off the TV. They're so nervous. Oh, it, they do so well when I'm not watching. Like yep. yeah, you are you that's just show, shows how egotistical all of us are as sports fans. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. And I got some really good examples of that coming up. These next four, man, they're just like, they mean so much to me. And I like, I can remember, at least with three of them, I can remember where I was, what we were doing. And uh, yeah, they mean a lot. (laughs) You know, my dad, um, another fun little anecdote here that I'll add. My dad, he was, I mean, my family actually, we all like Tom Brady. Um, so my dad was watching that game rooting for the Pats. And he says, screw this. I'm turning this off. I'm going to bed. And he fell asleep for a little while. And he got up to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, he's like looking through his phone. And he sees that the Patriots won. And he's so confused. That's, That's so funny. And the same thing happened when the Cubs won the World Series. He was in, which was several, a few months before that. He was in London, and he was uh, he was working over there. So he went to bed. He missed basically the whole game. Woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, things were going well, and then he couldn't sleep, and he was kind of tracking on his phone. And he's like, "Oh no, 
they blew it. It's tied. It's like, it's, I, I got to go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. He wakes up the next morning and see, finds out the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I, I will never, because I've seen some of these comebacks happen, I, I will never do that. Especially if it's my team. I, like, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could fall asleep. Well, all you need is, like, if your team's behind, just, like, send me a text. I'll tell my dad to go to bed. <laughs> and then your team will come back. It's pretty simple. That's perfect. I love that. That kind of makes me think like I'm looking at these last four and yeah. you only get a few of these events with your team in your life. Like yeah. I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at three that I'm just like, man, there are three different sports, three different teams. And um, yeah, if I had missed one of those, I would be, it'd be really, really sad. Yeah, well, I guess for the Patriots fans, they've had like 10 different opportunities <laughs> or Tom Brady fans. <laughs> but yeah, no, for yeah, you're right. All right, what, what do we have for number four, Seth? Uh, my number four is uh, a soccer. Uh, it's a soccer game, and um, it's the U.S. versus Slovenia in the 2010 World Cup. Honestly, kind of the whole, the whole group stage for the U.S. in this World Cup was just, it was amazing. So the first game they played England and Clint Dempsey kicks the ball at the goalie. The, the ball goes off of his hands into the goal. Like they call it a howler. It was a mistake. Uh, but that's We tied them. And we got a point. Yeah. Game two, we're playing Slovenia and they're up two Oh, and I, I wouldn't, I don't remember what minute in the game this happens. Um, but Michael Bradley scores, no Landon Donovan scores first from just like an insane angle. And it's, it's an, it's an awesome goal. We you need. I'll send you a YouTube video after this to watch. Um, so he scores that goal. Michael Bradley scores like somewhere between the 80th and 90th minute, and then we actually score again. I think past the 90th minute to win, but the the ref he he calls it a no goal. He called him offsides, or he didn't actually say like why he didn't score the goal, why they didn't count it, why they disallowed it, and so hmm. we t- we end up tying this game. Come to find out later, this this ref he got like sanctioned and all this stuff, and he got in trouble for trying to rig the game. But anyway, the third game they're playing Algeria. No one scores. I think it's zero zero in like the ninety third, ninety fourth minute, and then Donovan puts one in and, and takes us to the to the knockout stage. And the reason this is so important for me is I didn't like soccer until this World oh. Cup. Um, so this is twenty ten. So I'm twenty years old. And, um, yeah, I, I was the kind of kid that like made fun of soccer in high school because we didn't have a <laughs> soccer team. And so uh, I fell in love with soccer and it's now like one of my favorite sports to watch. And part of that's just like, these guys are insane. Like I could never do what they do and it's just amazing to watch. So that's my number four. Yeah. You know, what's actually funny was that was, I talked about this on a podcast a few months ago. We did an episode where my friend Jonathan Clancy, he helped me pick a team to root for in the Champions League. Okay. And uh, he asked me a bunch of questions. It was like a like a basically like a BuzzFeed survey that he came up with. Um, and it's like, here's your compatibility team or whatever. Yeah. But I, I described my peak interest in soccer was actually like around 2010. And then I think when the U.S. didn't make the World Cup in 2018, uh, at some point it really waned for me. But yeah, that was that was actually I mean that was a great time to get into it. Yeah, 
Yeah, it really was. And I, I've been to several U.S games and hey get back on the bandwagon because because we're coming in <laughs> hot we got some we got some young guys we got guys at chelsea and barcelona and juventus dortmund Bayern munich like some of the best clubs in the world so jump back on we're, we're, t- we're bringing it home 2026 world cup yeah champs. when uh when college basketball ends i'll have a lot more opportunities to watch soccer um so Dude, hopefully i'll take advantage of that you. i'm gonna text you i'm gonna get you into it <laughs> Look cool. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, number three, who we got? Uh, my number three is Illinois versus Arizona. Yes. And uh, I think I told you this the other day, man. I grew up just like diehard Illini fan. Uh, I-, I got to college, didn't go to Illinois, went to Illinois State. There's not really a rivalry there, but my love for Illinois just kind of waned then. But I was a freshman in high school, uh, Illinois versus Arizona, and this game was just insane and i i just remember like giving up and then my bro my little brother he like we had like made him leave he's eight years younger we like made him leave the room because we were so mad and then he came back in and illinois started coming back and so we were like dude you have to stay right there you have to sit right there you're allowed to watch the game with us but you have to stay right there and so then they end up coming back man darren williams hit some crazy shots i remember jack ingram coming up with some big plays um and man yeah it's just one of the one of my favorite sports memories of all time. So they were down fifteen, I want to say, with two and a half minutes left or three minutes left. And this is one of those games that I like to rewatch the second half of that game once every couple of years. Uh, it was so awesome. Darren Williams was fantastic. There's the image of. Roger Powell Jr., who you could catch now coaching at uh, Gonzaga. He's one of the assistants. He was an assistant at Valpo. Uh, we were talking about him the other day, Coach Gore and I, um, Coach Gore from Valpo. Nevertheless, Roger Powell Jr., I just remember him saying, like, he had the Bible verses on his shoes, and he was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It was it was sick, man. The, they call him, like, the Reverend or something? The Reverend, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Dude, he's a, a great guy. He's awesome. Yeah, I think my pastor's wife had a uh, seminary class with Roger Powell. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2005, Illinois, one of the best teams that never won it. They only lost um, two games that year. Uh, starting five, D Brown. D Brown was the guy on that team. People forget that. Darren Williams. Luther Head. Luther Head had a nice little career for a few years in the association. James Augustine, Roger Powell Jr. What a what a what a five. Hey, uh, absolutely. Do you know who the leading scorer was on that team? I would guess it was D Brown. It was Luther Head. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Yeah, he had a he had a real nice jump shot. Luther Head did. Yeah, he did. That Arizona team had Channing Fry and Salim yep. Stoudemire. Yep. Man, I, re- I remember Fry taking the shot. I don't know if it's an end of regulation or an OT, but he took a sh- like a three and just, it was a brick, but I was so yeah. scared it was going to go in. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> All right, number two, what do we have? Uh, my number two, I- I'm going to go with, I-, I have two left and I- I'm back and forth. I'm going to go with, I'm going to say Michael Jordan coming back from baseball, the I'm back. I think it was a fax. I think we learned that in the, um, <laughs> the last dance. Uh, but this, 
was important to me because if this hadn't happened, I don't, I mean, I probably would have fallen in love with sports at, at some point. Um, uh, but it was those next three years of watching the bulls that I fell in love with sports, fell in love with Michael Jordan, uh, and the bulls. And man, I was, I was a fanatic as a four or five, or was it uh six, seven and eight year old. So I, my dad made sure I went and saw MJ play in 98. That would have never happened if he hadn't come back. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so slightly been in the rules here uh, for 21st century. This is our one from the 20th century, but I think it's no. I think I think it works because it's Michael Jordan. I got you can never go against Michael Jordan. (laughs) Otherwise, uh, you're gonna be in big time trouble. Absolutely, and just just thinking about like what he did for for sports, and he had already done so much, but so much of that was also done in those next three years, like. Yeah. This, that comeback was crucial for the NBA going forward and going international and even just like sports in general, the shoe game, man. Yeah. And I was, I was also, I remember what, what I was thinking about. There's no other like comeback for Michael Jordan. Like he was just always winning. So <laughs> I couldn't think of something to put on my list of like, Oh yeah, the bulls came back from down three, one. Cause they just won every series in six or less games. So I just couldn't come up with another comeback from Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, and you know the the sad part about it, Seth, and this is why I initially thought 21st century, I wasn't old enough to, to watch any of that. I was born in 94, so everything that, for yeah. me is, like, it's really natural for me to kind of look at 21st century as, like, the era for me of everything that I can remember as a sports fan. What What is your first sports memory? My first sports memory. Ooh, that's a great question. So I would say in terms of like actually paying attention, I would say like um, not just like, oh, I remember that one thing on the TV. I'd say like the first season that I remember being like really paying attention to was actually I was really young. I was only seven years old. It was 2001 Major League Baseball season. And that was the year with 9-11 and you know, baseball yep. really brought a lot of us together after that with George yep. W. Bush's first pitch strike. It was, I mean, it was an emotional time. The Yankees were playing in the World Series uh, at a time when, I mean, it was acceptable to root for the Yankees in that instance with 9-11 yep. and everything. Otherwise, a lot of people probably would not have been rooting for the Yankees. Was that Yankees-Mets? No, that was, that was the year before. And I, I remember, a, I have like vague memories of... Oh, yeah. 2000 with Clemens and Piazza and hurling the yeah. bat his way. And it's just like, man, that dude's on yeah. something. Like <laughs> yeah. we knew he was roid raging <laughs> at that point, but <laughs> um, no, 2001. Uh, I remember watching Derek Jeter make the flip play in those playoffs against the A's. And yep. then really just how dominant uh, Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson were Luis Gonzalez, had that huge hit off Mariano Rivera. So that that's a long answer to your question, but that was pretty much that season. I feel like was the first season that I really remember of any sport. Yeah. Number one, Seth, who do we have? My number one is the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals against the Rangers. Sorry to your friend. I can't remember his name, but um, (laughs) man, that game. Oh my gosh. There's so much to talk about. I mean, Nelson Cruz, Set the stage. Uh, explain what happened to those who don't know. The, the explain the whole game. No, just like what was the what was the biggest deficit? 
Oh man, deficit? it was like a three-run game in yeah, the ninth was, inning or something like that, or what? I mean, so some of the crazy things I remember: we were down um, to our last strike three different times in the game. Yeah, so it was three times. One more strike, we would have been we would have lost. Um, Nelson Cruz just kind of misjudges that ball. David Freeze gets a triple to tie the game, and Lance Berkman comes up with some big hits. Um, and then to, uh, Josh Hamilton, like. God tells him he's going to hit a home run. He hits a home run. We're down by two again in extra innings, and then David Freeze hits a walk-off. And, uh, oh, man, man, yeah, it's one of those games where I, I remember everyone that I was with, um, one of my friends, uh, we, we were, like, uh, just celebrating, and I kind of, like, shoved him on accident, and he hit his head <laughs> on the wall. Um, but so many, like, so we had so many different, like, chants and stuff that we would do during the game and um man it was just a lot of fun (laughs) that's a great list and that was a great um great memories great stroll down memory lane that game was incredible it was was. you know i remember like the sad thing about that game being so great it was when i was a dummy in high school that just didn't get much homework done and like applying for colleges and stuff i was such an underachiever at that age <laughs> and i was like doing some studying and like i had the game cast open on like espn.com but i wasn't actually watching it live it's a yeah. s- sad uh i hate to admit that but that now i get to <laughs> now like i still have nightmares that i'm in school and i have to pass classes it's just like I absolutely hate it. I have these nightmares still at age 26. And but then I wake up and I'm like, man, I love that I'm able to watch sports and talk about sports. Like, that's actually what I get to do now. Like, it's <laughs> that's amazing. Dude, yeah. actually, funny story about game six. My brother uh, is similar to your dad. My brother, um, he's just like notorious for giving up early. And so he stopped. <laughs> he was not with me. He was um, at my parents' house because he, he was at home student teaching. And he had turned off the game and he missed David Freeze's triple. And I, I call him. I'm like, dude, that was amazing. He's like, oh, what happened? I didn't see it. And <laughs> that's just one of those things like I can't imagine missing that. Like, I, I, it's, it's forever seared into my mind. And I'm so happy I was watching the game. <laughs> yeah that was a that was a great one so i'm gonna give you one more uh that you didn't mention i knew you wouldn't but just on a personal for me now for sure I, I think most people don't know about this last year missouri valley conference tournament arch madness all right yeah yeah you you're familiar with the valley a little bit uh, yeah illinois yeah. state arch, arch madness did you say arch or march arch you said arch okay yeah yep. st louis <laughs> Valparaiso, the Valparaiso Valpos, as they no longer have a mascot at this point. Uh, but <laughs> the, the Valparaiso Valpos, what was that? I said that's amazing. I didn't know that. What what was it before? Crusaders. They're they're getting a new one. Crusaders is uh, done. Yeah. But, all right. So yeah. Valparaiso Valpos, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were down forty five twenty seven in the second half to Loyola Chicago, the same team okay. that everyone just saw in the tournament. We'll get to the Sweet 16, and a couple years before that, they went to the Final Four. Well, last year, this was in the quarterfinal of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, 45-27. So down 18 in the second half. Valpo comes back and wins that game in overtime. That was 
in terms of the most exhilarating comeback in just a single game for me, that was probably it. That was just, it was awesome. Valpo ended up making a little run to the conference title game last year. I love that, man. Man, I, the Valley, uh, I, I, I told you this already. I went to Illinois State, and yeah. we haven't made this tournament since 98, and it's just, oh, man. I hate watching us lose year after year in that championship game. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, you guys are always really good. It just never sealed the deal. Never do it. Yeah, we're not good right now. Our coaches, yeah. It's whatever. I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> but that's amazing. That's a really fun memory. I love that. Oh, yeah. So you said you were not. you're not worried about that. And that's because... Jesus makes it so we don't have to worry. How do you like that uh, segue there, <laughs> Seth? <laughs> that's a transition for sure. Man, no, but that's a, actually like a pretty good point. Like, for, sports were for sure an idol in my life, like growing up, and and part of it's probably just becoming an adult and realizing like, hey, it's not the end of the world. Um, but also just like knowing like Jesus is the most important thing in my life, and. Um, all these other things, they, they don't actually matter, even though, like, I love it when the, the birds are good. I love it when the Cardinals are good. And um, I still watch so much sports. Um, yeah, man, Jesus is, is way more important than any of those things. Yeah, and so we know it's cheesy, uh, but, but I like cheesy. I love cheesy stuff. <laughs> we talk about comebacks. The reason why I wanted to talk about it this week was because it is Holy Week, and this is an extremely important week in the Christian calendar. This is this is it for us. Uh, this is uh, you know Easter is my favorite holiday, and you know Christmas is uh, it's a good time, but Easter we're really putting the gospel to the forefront. And Jesus, the reason why that that connects to comebacks is because Jesus comes back to life after dying on the cross. Yep. Yeah, man, I, I uh, it's so significant. I, I was thinking about this this week. I, I actually got to speak on Palm Sunday at a campus ministry at Texas A&M. And um, I, I was reading through the, the triumphal entry uh, through the Palm Sunday story. And um, the reason the comeback is so significant is because, man, they, they wanted a king they're like they're screaming hosanna like they're jesus save us like we want you to come and conquer these oppressors and five days later those same people who were were saying hosanna and and wanted this king they were they were yelling crucify him and um they, they thought that he was not their king that he had not actually come to save them but really he knew that he he maybe wasn't the king that they wanted but he was the king that they needed uh and he he went to the cross and, and conquered sin and death their true enemy, their true oppressor, and then rose from the dead, uh, conquering sin and death. And uh, in doing that, in coming back, man, he establishes himself as the king of uh, of humanity, of of Earth, of the universe. And um, yeah, man, it's it's significant because um, we can never be good enough to um, work our way to heaven, to work our way to Him. Um, but He did everything for us. He, he paid the penalty for our sins, lived the life we couldn't live. And um, yeah, man, all we have to do is is repent and believe that that's true. And um, we're given eternal life, which is amazing. Yeah. And Seth, what I love about his comeback, he really only needed three days on the DL. And then he was, he was <laughs> boom, he was back. I mean, you see these guys who have to take 
weeks off to come back from injury. <laughs> this guy actually died, and then he's he's fine three days later. I mean, I, I want him on my team. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's pretty incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is my as I mentioned, this is my favorite week of the year. What's interesting about Easter is it's dependent on when Passover is, right? That's uh, mm. Passover is based on when the moon, like I, I don't entirely understand how we come up with when Easter is. Like, do we have a selection committee? Can you help me with this, Seth? <laughs> Dude, actually, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, man, I wonder what the earliest Easter ever is. And uh, <laughs> so to answer your question, I did not look it up. Uh, <laughs> I can do that right now. No, I think, but I do think it's dependent on Passover because Passover sure. needs to happen first. Yeah. And Passover is then dependent on uh, some sort of like when spring or when the first moon of the year is, or the, it's a weird thing that differs each year. And so yep. Easter takes place. It could be in March some years, some years it's in April. And, yep. uh, you know, it's kind of odd that we do it that way. And and then the Greeks have a different Easter. My friends who are Greek Orthodox, they have a they have a different Easter that's typically not the same week as the Protestant and the Catholic Easter. But just so happens that a lot of time it coincides with the same week of, like, great sports. So, like, you get the blend of, like, baseball and now with March Madness, like there's always so much going on. At the same time, it can be easy to to kind of lose your sight on you're talking about how it can be easy to make sports an idol in our lives. It can be easy yeah. to lose sight of what we are celebrating and what we are focusing on each year at this time, which we should be celebrating year round, by the way. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I, that's so true. I mean, even earlier when we were talking, I was just thinking about how this is like my favorite time of the year. And it wasn't, if I'm being honest, it wasn't Easter didn't come to my mind. It was, Oh man, March madness, the masters <laughs> start of baseball opening day. And, uh, that's convicting for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's powerful, but I think what I love about it is good Friday. What do you typically do on good Friday, Seth? What's good Friday like for you? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, we go to church. We have a service. Uh, that's usually, uh, and I haven't thought about this. It's usually a little more somber. Um, yeah. obviously like Jesus died that day, man. Yeah. Go to church. And then, um, I usually go home and hang out with my family. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Does there, do you guys have a specific like tradition that you guys do? It, it's pretty similar to yours, but I always go to church on good Friday and, it's really, I feel like Good Friday, whoever's preaching, whatever church I'm at, you really feel the weight of what Jesus died for. He died for your yeah. sins. And I feel like all the time I'm like, man, you know, people like to talk about justice and injustice. And mm -hmm. um, we could talk about that on, you know, another podcast. But Jesus, his death, he lived a perfect life and was wrongly accused and crucified for things that he did not do. They said he was a blasphemer. They put him on the cross. When he went on the cross, he was dying for arson. So while, yes, there was a group of people, basically an angry mob that yeah. kind of alluded to, you know, mob behavior with Tiger Woods or whatever, but there was an angry mob 
that put him on the cross. And it's easy to think, okay, these people did it. It's like, no, yeah. he, he, I did it because I have sinned and I've fallen short of the glory of God. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, I was just thinking about the fact that like so often people, they want, they want justice. They want things to be fair or whatever when it comes to everyone else. But then when it comes to themselves, like, and they, they don't want justice. They want to be treated um, with grace. And um, man, God could have, he didn't have to, to come and die for our sins. Like he didn't have to do that. Like we all could have just gone to hell because we have chosen our sin and chosen to, um, yeah, to, to love the world and not love God. But um, man, he did everything. Like I, I it boggles my mind, like how, the Bible even tells us like this message is going to be offensive. Like it's going to offend people, Yeah. but like it's free, man. It is free. Like all you have to do is, is turn and follow Jesus. And like, you're given eternal life. Every, everything else is like every other religion in the world is about working your way to God. Um, they're all just like a counterfeit religions that, yeah, yeah. It, but with Christianity, God comes down and he does everything for us. The most important thing in, in my life for sure. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was reading a, a, a great book recommendation I have for everybody, especially you, Seth. Uh, Barry Zito, really awesome pitcher back with the A's yeah. back in the 2000s. Barry Zito, he had a wicked curveball. Actually, his book is called Curveball. And in the book, he talks about his path to Christianity and how throughout his whole career, he had been trying to find that thing that was going to give his life a meaning and a purpose. And I feel like we all kind of have some form of story like that. And maybe you and I can tell our stories uh, before we go here. But his story really was so cool because he was a guy that did not grow up in the church. He actually had members of a family who were a part of a religious cult that was called the Church of the Inner Christ. And it was essentially this idea that everyone has a Christ inside of them that they can unlock and they can then become like Christ in themselves. It through that he went through a lot of other different stuff, whether it was yoga or and you know some of the stuff isn't even religion, it's just lifestyle choices that he thought were going to be the thing that filled him up. And you know right. doing some doing some yoga, doing some surfing, you know, hey, those are good things to do, but when you make that kind of like your everything, that's when you, you might still feel empty inside. And so he talks about how he had tried out Buddhism. He had tried out different religions. He had had like a meditation coach. He had had all kinds of really just wild people in his life that were kind of like pointing him in different directions. And he had truly tried everything. I mean, he had gotten into drugs a little bit when he was young. And what was so... Uh, interesting was towards the end of the book, he talks about how he came to Jesus. And the thing he said was that every single thing he tried, whether it was self-affirmations or, you know, other religions or lifestyle choices, whatever, all of them were about building himself up and making himself the best self that he could be. Wow. There are other ways that you can phrase that or whatever. And what he found was that by dying to self and putting Christ first above all those things, that was where he found his identity and his freedom and his joy wow. and his purpose to his life. And that's what separates Christianity from everything else. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, dude, I, I'm reading uh, a book called The Nations Be Glad by John Piper. And uh, yeah, he, he says that same thing. Like people will often be like, well, God wants to glorify himself. So how is that like best for us? Or how is that not like him being selfish or whatever? And his, his point that he says is because when you glorify God with your life, you are doing what's best for you. And, and God knows that's what's best for you. And um, because if you make yourself an idol, you make yourself God, like, like Barry Zito, that's just never going to end well, even if you have all the talent in the world. And uh, dude, even Tom Brady, like, what was it after he won his third? Yeah, or he fifth? won the third, third Super Bowl. It was on 60 Minutes. Yeah, and he's like, man, there has to be something more. But what yeah. does he do? He goes out and just keeps trying to win more football games, and now he's he's going for eight next year. And uh, when, when's he gonna realize like maybe it's not football? Maybe eight. If 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 he wins eight, he's gonna want nine. If he wins nine, he's gonna want ten. Right. Um. But yeah, yeah, for sure, he needs he's Jesus. That's the answer. Yeah. Another book, and this is one that I think if uh, if anyone's listening to this and this topic is interesting and you just can't really get on board because you don't believe or you don't know or maybe you want to kind of just search this thing out a little bit. Uh, another book recommendation that I have is The Case for Christ by Louis Strobel. And there's actually a movie. If you want to see the movie first, it might be on Netflix. I'm not sure where you can stream it, but I've been reading it lately. Lee Strobel was a an excellent crime reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And this was back in the 70s, back in the 80s. And Lee Strobel, his wife started going to church and became a Christian, and he did not believe in God. And so he thought, you know what would be interesting is, what if I truly investigate this thing the way I would investigate a piece, uh, a story, a crime, and uh, let's let's really kind of go on a deep dive and try to uncover as much evidence that would support or go against the existence of God. And he did not believe in God. He did not believe in Jesus. And what Lee Strobel did as an extremely credible, high-level reporter was through his study, he found more evidence that made him believe in the existence and the life of Christ and that he died and rose from the dead, then he had evidence against the existence of God or the existence of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, man, I've watched the documentary. It's it's fantastic. Not I have not read the book, but um, <laughs> the, the documentary is great. Yeah, so really good. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of historical evidence that this guy named Jesus was on this earth 2,000 years ago. Oh, for sure. Man, I mean, I think that that is, it's almost indisputable whether or not he was a real person. And man, yeah. I feel like when I was in college, um, people would try to go to like argue like evolution versus creation and, you know, like whatever, like if Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered sin and death. Like, honestly, I don't care what you believe about evolution or, or creation. Like if that's true, which I believe there's a lot of evidence for then everything else, like, yeah, you can you can talk you can think about that later, but like if you believe that he rose from the dead and, and you feel like the evidence supports that, like that's all that matters. That means he was God. That means he he died for our sins and, and conquered sin and death for us. Amen. Yes, that's so true. Yes, yeah, Seth, uh the thing is that I think is so interesting is like 
people, there is an overwhelming amount of evidence of the existence of Christ. So then it comes down to, you can either believe that this guy named Jesus was, you know, some people like to say, well, I believe that there was a man named Jesus, but he was just a good moral teacher. Yeah. Well, this man claimed that he was God. So either he was the biggest liar in the face of the world who lied and was a heretic and led people astray or he was crazy in that case you can't be a good moral leader there's no way that's a horrible person so he either was god or he was not god yep no that's yeah that's a a great way to put i think c.s lewis um he said he he was either a liar lunatic or lord yeah there's no other option he can't just be a good teacher um because it is it is it's true that he was crucified for claiming to be God in human flesh. He, he was crucified for blasphemy. And um, you don't claim to be God unless, unless you're either God or a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Seth, before we go, uh, why don't you tell people quickly uh, your story? How did you come to Jesus and why why do you, why did this become your lifestyle? Why do you believe that this is the best way to live? Wow, yeah, that's um, there's a lot there. So uh, I I feel like for a lot of Christians when they get to college, um, they they start to to look back on their life and they're like, man, I like maybe prayed that prayer when I was young, but I don't know if I was actually saved. And I did, I definitely like thought that in college as well. But I think now when I look back. Um, man, I feel like I accepted Christ at a pretty young age. I, I think probably around seven. Uh, I saw, I went to see a play called Heaven's Gate Tells Flames. <laughs> it was rather like fire and brimstone. Um, but I think God used that and there was an altar call to end. And I think I remember understanding the gospel. Um, and so I believe I gave my life to, to Christ then. And since then, like now I can look back and I can see, just this sanctification process that this, and that's a big word, but that's just becoming more like Christ, um, how, how he has uh, made me more and more like him since then. Um, so then I was baptized when I was a uh, sophomore in high school. And um, yeah, since then I, I just, I got really involved in my youth group. I uh, got really involved in a campus ministry in college. Um, and at some point in college, I just realized like, yeah, if this is true, if Jesus did come and, and die for our sins, and if if um, there is eternal life, and, and He calls me, He calls me to to go and make disciples of all nations, then I have to give my life to that. Like, there's no other option for me. Um, that anything else would just be um, not fulfilling. And I realized, like, man, there's all these other purposes that I could come up with for my life, but. But God's purpose and his plan for my life, like that was guaranteed not to fail. Um, and so I started with just volunteering at my church, doing youth ministry and um, sharing the gospel with junior high kids. Um, and, and it kind of developed into this. I learned about unreached people groups and of the world where, where people have no access to the gospel. And um, as people shared scripture with me and as I looked at the Bible, um, what I realized was that God's been on this mission since Genesis 12 to save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Uh, and it's going to happen. We, we've seen the end result in Revelation um, with, with all these people standing before the throne. 
and, and I want to play a part in getting them there because because God has invited me into that. Um, and so if if this life is is eighty years, it's a, a blip on the radar, man. I want to live my life for for eternity and um, give give him everything that I have right now. Um, so yeah, I mean that's long story made yeah. really really short. Yeah. Um, but did you have any any questions about any of that or? No, 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 no. I can share mine real quick, and then uh, maybe a couple more things on this topic as a whole, and then we can wrap things up. So for me, similar to you, I grew up in a Christian home, and I went to church, and I actually was went to Awana, which is a club for uh, kids. It's a midweek Bible study night that we show up and we play games, and I prayed a prayer to accept Christ when I was five years old. Now, I didn't understand the meaning behind that, but I think over the course of my life, and I think that's one of the things is a lot of people think, well, I prayed a prayer, like that's it. Um, it's a yeah. relationship. It's you're developing a relationship with a person. It's it's like how you might date someone where you say, you kind of have like a how we met story and then like other stages of that and how you, you know, fell in love with someone and how you became close with them or maybe your friend, like you have your stories of how you became best friends. So for me, it was really like growing up and kind of always wanting to do the right thing. And, you know, I always understood the gospel. I heard it, but I never made it you know, my number one priority in my life until I was in high school. And in high school, I actually started to encounter some depression and I really had lost hope. And I remember one night just kind of crying in my room and actually just kind of like searching the web for songs about how I was feeling. And the first song that came up on my web search was a song called The Last Night by Skillet. And Skillet is a really cool Christian band. They're from Kenosha, Wisconsin. The song is about a girl who has a plan that she wants to end her life. And what God comes in and says, no, this is the last night that you're feeling lonely and lost, but that's only because I have something so much better for you. I'm going to give your life a purpose. I'm going to give it a meaning. And I really remember that night, just kind of listening to that song on a repeat and just kind of fully surrendering myself to God and just saying like, you know, I, I can't do it on my own. And I think another thing is that a lot of people think the reason why people go to religion or go to Jesus is because they want to be able to go to heaven. And like, that's obviously amazing. That's great. But I felt that I need Jesus in order to navigate through my life on earth. I cannot do it on my own. And so with my own types of anxiety and sometimes maybe just feeling depressed, I can always pray and go to Christ. And I believe that the Bible gives me the best instruction, the best morals uh, for me to live my life. So ever since that time, uh, you know, that was really when I was able to I remember waking up the next morning and feeling more at peace and having more hope than I ever had before. Um, I felt God's presence in my life. And when I, when I encountered that love and I encountered, encountered that peace and that joy, it was unlike anything I had ever experienced before. Unlike so many of things of this world that are temporary, this is something that never ends and never goes away. And it's my backbone. And it's my life. And so it gave me, it gave me hope and my you know, one of the things I want to do in my life, and I'm just kind of getting started with this podcast with my website is I want to deliver hope to people in times where people feel hopeless. And I think that's one of the things we're kind of seeing right now with just the way the world is in terms of, you know, COVID and 
people just feeling stuck inside. People need hope. And this is where I get my hope. And I want, I'm glad I got to share that with people today. Dude, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I talk to, to campus ministers like multiple times a week and it's crazy how amazing ministry is going for them because people are realizing their hope we're, we're in all these other things. And, uh, I mean, yeah, anxiety, depression through the roof right now. And, um, people are realizing that they, they need good community and they need, um, they need Jesus. And, uh, dude, I, thanks for sharing. I'm honored to, um, be the guy that you asked to, to do this with, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus, uh, I think that that's awesome the way you put it. You want to offer hope to people, um, because you're, you're not forcing it on anyone. And, um, but if, if there's anyone that's, that's listening that, that needs that, then it's just, it's cool. They can find that here. Absolutely. So, Hey guys, you know, if you're, if you're interested and you want to reach out to me, you can always message me on social media or send me an email. My email is jack at Jack Vita show. And I'd love to talk more about this with you and maybe connect you with some people who you can uh, connect with as well. I'm also going to be tweeting out and posting on Facebook a church service on Sunday morning if you're unable to get to church. But I mean, this is a great time to go to church. There's a term that we use called Creaster, Christians that only (laughs) go to church on Christmas or Easter. (laughs) But that's the great thing is churches are so welcoming. There's so many people that are going to church for maybe their only time of the year. And so you're not going to stick out like a sore thumb if you choose to go to church this week and you haven't gone to church in 10 years. Like you you just aren't. There are going to be a lot of other people that are visiting church this week for the first time. And yeah, it's a, it's a great time to go to church. It's a great time to uh, accept this free gift of eternal life as well. Absolutely. But hey, you know what, guys? This is, uh, yeah, once again... I, enjoy, I love having this show and I love being able to talk about this stuff. Maybe we'll do more of these episodes in the future, but at the very least, you can always count on me for the sports content. So, hey, if you're not interested in this, uh, you know, feel free to skip it. <laughs> That's cool. No worries. Um, but yeah, thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Man, I love that you, you mentioned that at the end. Feel free to skip it, but you've already listened this far. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I did say on... Um, today's live stream i was like ah you can skip that one if you if it's not interesting to you you know it's all a cart here you take what you want <laughs> i do have one thing i think that would be good to clear up here seth um with you being the ministry guy can you explain why jesus's resurrection is important i know a lot of people understand why the death was important why is the resurrection important yeah man i mean with without the resurrection you you just have a dead guy <laughs> so <laughs> The resurrection, I mean, it confirms that, that he is God. I mean, who who has the power to raise the dead? It, it's it's God. And so, um, yeah, he did die on the cross, uh, but he was raised from the dead. And, um, man, that's, that's significant. And, and I, that's why I said, like, look into, look into the facts. I mean, there's um, so, so much stuff just, like, from the Bible that's, like, you wouldn't have done this unless it was true. Yeah. So... For instance, like the fact that women found the empty tomb, like back then you never would have given credit to women if, if, unless it was true, unless that's actually what happened. The Roman soldiers, if Jesus's body wasn't gone, they would have, um, they would have showed that the, the body was there. And, 
Uh, I mean, there's just so many things like that, that, um, I think point to the fact that it happened. And if it did happen, it means he was God. If he's God, then, uh, he died for our sins and, um, made a way for us to be with him. So, um, yeah, the significance is it's high. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Great stuff. Seth, this was a lot of fun. Did we forget anything? Is there anything else we should add? You do this ministry, uh, thing more than I do (laughs) in terms of, in terms of speaking and presenting the gospel, I should say. Man, I mean, I, I think something that I've been thinking about recently and people have been sharing a lot, is, I, I feel like a lot of times when I, I share the gospel, it's just like, all right, that's what happened, but you do have to take it into your hands and decide if you want to follow Jesus. Like, there is a decision that has to be made, um, and, and that's that's on each and every one of us individually to decide if, if we want to follow Jesus. Um, and, and so I, I think that that's really important. I think that our response to the message um, is is crucial. Amen. Good stuff, Seth. So thank you for joining me today. I'm glad we were able to uh, link up and work on this. Seth, it was so great having you on this show. Uh, would you like to uh, throw out your social media handles or tell people about what you're working on with your ministry, how people could potentially get in touch with you? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, well, my personal Instagram, you can probably just search my name, Seth, for uh, my <laughs> handle is well, uh, so my my uh, cousin, he's two years old. He calls me Uncle Seth with a P. So that's my <laughs> handle, Uncle Dot. So uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. I don't pump out a lot of content, but uh, if you want to follow the ministry that I'm involved with, it's the Traveling Team. Um, we have a lot of great content. Beautiful Instagram. I don't run it, um, but yeah, check that out. Um, feel free to reach out to me if uh, if you want to get in contact. I just slide right into my dms and uh <laughs> go from there so and I, I think you're still a bachelor at this time right <laughs> i am currently single yeah uh, I, I was referring to with sliding into my dms but <laughs> if that happens i won't i won't argue too much <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm there with you seth I, i'm there with you <laughs> All right. Good stuff. This is a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll have to do something like this again sometime soon. Dude, anytime. Um, I'm free a lot in May and August, so I'd love to to be back on. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Seth. All right, y'all. That does it for my conversation today with Seth Four. It was a really fun time. I'm glad we got to talk some sports, talk about Jesus and Easter and the importance of Holy Week and getting to faith. My two... Two of my very favorite things. (laughs) I guess, I don't know if I should say sports is my second favorite or third favorite or fourth favorite, but yeah, serving Jesus is definitely my my absolute top priority in this life. And I'm glad we got to talk about it today. Hey, if you guys enjoyed this episode and like to hear more of these types of conversations on the podcast, let me know. Tweet at me, at Jack Vita Show on Twitter. Also on Instagram, at Jack Vita Show. We'll have a lot more sports coming up. Don't worry. Uh, We just wanted to do a fun bonus episode in the spirit of Easter, but we could do more of these in the future. And again, if you don't like them, you can skip them. But yeah, I'd love to know what you guys thought of this episode, what you thought of our comebacks. If we forgot any, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already. We've got a lot of good stuff coming out next week uh, we'll get you set for the masters we'll be recapping the ncaa championship game 
which will be on Tuesday on a Facebook Live. We'll also be live on Twitter and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. But I'm finished for now, so thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, take good care of yourselves. I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>